There's a my when my first year doing crawl space. One of my f- old f- old friends and listener messaged me, and he was like, "Your your brain is like bees. Like it looks like chaos, but there's like it's like organized chaos. Like the bees know what the hell's happening, but like everyone on the outside is like. But it always ends up, you know, like they end up with the honey." honey you didn't say the honey part I added that and I wish I had it um hi everyone how are we it is six in the morning um I don't know what is happening so I do like I said I do I've been doing those virtual events um the last few weeks for the event company I do and I also do hour longs where I'm talking the whole time and for some reason I once I sit down to crawl space, I have the hardest time breathing and I'm like are you nervous what's happening um I'm not nervous but hi, everyone. Uh, I hope everyone, by the, when you get this, uh, uh, Christmas will be over. Other holidays will be over. Um, I, 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 uh, so I hope you all had a happy holidays. This is the last crawl space of the year. It is 6 a.m. I am about to fly to Maryland, and I'm so excited. Um, oh, my God, I'm so excited. And I, you know, I, I, my plan for this episode was to write 23 things that I learned in 2023. And I don't know if I got to 23, um, mostly because I just decided to do this yesterday because uh, I have ADHD. And you know what? That's so one of the things I learned in 2023. First of all, great year. It was a it was a it was a really good year. Um, of course, there were setbacks involved, you know, um, you know hardship and whatever because that's part of life the ebb and flow but as a whole I learned a lot I I gained some really amazing people and experiences and I'm really grateful um oh no it's gone what was I gonna say that I oh no oh ADHD wow that is an ADHD Jesus Christ Uh, a couple weeks ago or like a week ago I don't know I don't I'm also time blind um I uh, lost my Adderall pill literally 15 seconds after I pulled it out of the bottle. If that is an ADHD or me just now not remembering that I was going to tell you about one of the things I'm proud of in 2023 is my ADHD uh, diagnosis. Um, I'm proud of it. You know, Uh, so one of the things I learned in this year is that I, uh, you know, I... I have, uh, I think it's a neurodivergency. I think that's the proper, but I have ADHD. And I also learned when someone tells you a diagnosis like that, you don't go, yeah, duh. A lot of people said that to me. It really hurt my feelings because it made me think like, oh my God, have I just been a mess for years and years? And I know that that is my intrusive thoughts and I know that that's probably not true, but it, it made me realize when someone shares something with you like that, being like, obviously, you didn't know that. It's just such an odd response, um, an odd response. But I, I have, fr- I, I have a friend that I don't get to see very often. Um, we bartend together, and uh, she hibernates in the summer. She has perfect skin. She's like forty in her forties. I don't know how, how old in forties, but like perfect skin. And she's like, I stay the fuck 
out of the sun. So in the summertime, she doesn't bartend the festivals because they're hell hot. Um, but she was the one who first started talking to me about ADHD. And like, I've never felt so I thought a lot of my like quirks and things was just trauma and disassociating because of the trauma. And I'm, you know, I'm still learning about this, this disorder. Um, so I'm sure that I'm pretty positive my brain developed this way because of trauma, but I'm not, you know, I'm no doctor. I don't know if you guys know that or not. I'm not a doctor. Um, but like just finding out that this is what I have and all a lot of my difficult things like losing things constantly, time blindness, um, uh, just to name a few. I'm I'm they're falling off of my head right now, uh, but falling off, falling out of my head. But just to learn all of that is just like, oh, it's ADHD. Okay, like now I can be gentle on myself. Now I can like work with it instead of like constantly being an asshole to myself. Like I now can work with it. And I'm so grateful. Like I love, and I know that it's not everywhere, um, you know, in the world or especially this country, but I love that mental health is starting to be more and more talked about. Um, I don't believe even if I did get a diagnosis as a kid, my father would have allowed me to be on meds because mental health, you know, having, uh, disorders was embarrassing you know um that generation was like no you just push it down you just push it down you get it through get through it and you know you're uh you're not happy for 50 years and uh or I don't know how old he lived 60 um but like I'm so grateful that we live in a time that it's starting to be more and more talked about and I can't wait to see where it goes in the next 10 years because I think a lot of people myself included wouldn't have gotten any help that I needed had others not talked about, you know, depression, anxiety, ADHD. And so that, I mean, I talk about it ad nauseum almost. Um, and it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. But I, I, I realized this year that's another thing. I'm not for everyone. And that's okay because not everyone's for me, you know. Um, I... I will find my people and I have found my people and I'll keep finding my people. But I know that there are people that how many times can I say people in the next minute? Um, does anyone else have that in my brain? Am I, if I say one word too much in the next and like, uh, like a small span, I'm like, people are noticing use a different word. <laughs> like my brain's like, you, you can't, you can't use, you know, I can't use the same word in the, in a, the same sentence either. Um, not like, and the, like not those words, but like big, like regular words. What's an and in that uh, proposition? No, that's not real. Um, proposition? I will have to. I don't think that's the right thing. It doesn't matter. It's six in the morning. It does not matter. Um, but yeah, I learned that I'm not for everyone, and that's okay. And 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 I don't like everyone. And I've learned. I learned. I'm going way off book. So maybe I I tried to jot it down. So I'm gonna try and go through this list. Otherwise, I will bing 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 and miss a bunch of things. Because, um, but to start off with, one of my favorite things to do, in you know, in the in the end of the new year or end of the year, beginning of the new year, is I like to write down all of the things I've accomplished or I'm proud of in the previous year. Um, a a acting coach taught me this years ago like a decade ago, maybe longer. I got to keep forgetting I'm not 30 and 1990 wasn't 10 years ago. So maybe 20 years ago I met her um, when I first moved to LA. Yep. That's right. 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, it's wild. Um, 
ages. I had I was on one of these uh, uh, virtual events and we were doing a thing where they guessed the price of a Don Perignon champagne bottle. And this guy was like, well, it's a 2012 and that was 11 years ago. And I had like kind of a spiral in front of like, you know, the 15 people in this event. I was like, oh, my God, I, f- I feel like the 90s was 10 years ago. Anybody else? Just uh, time goes, man. Um, so I'm going to. But so I like to write down like the things I'm proud of and the things I've accomplished. Um, and and so this acting coach years ago said, you know, before you write out your goals for the next year, write the things that you pr- you accomplished the previous year, even if they're like tiny and small. One thing I always put on there is 99% of the time I make my bed. I make my bed almost every day. The only times I don't make my bed is if I'm sick or I'm about to wash my sheets. Um, and I heard that years ago. Uh, my I had a boss at Big Wang's who was obsessed with this speech by a guy who was in the Marines. It was like a, it was like a graduation ceremony speech by this like general or something in the Marines. And one of the main things, the first thing he said to do every morning is make your bed. And when I heard that, I was like knee deep in my depression, you know, and I was hiding it from everybody. Like I wasn't open about it at all. I just, I honestly, you know, like I've said many, many times, I honestly thought everybody thought they were going to kill themselves at some point. Like I didn't know that that was like an odd, um, and I've talked to other people who are depression, depressed or have depression issues, um, that suicide ideology is like super common. But if you don't have those, you're like, what? No, not everyone thinks that. But at the time I, I genuinely just thought everyone thought that. And, um, and so when he said, when he showed me this video and the only thing that stuck out with me in that video is the, he's like this Marine guy was like, make your bed every day. And that way you, you've accomplished, like as soon as you get out of bed, you've accomplished one thing. Like it's nice to get into a made bed and you've accomplished one thing. And that way you start and end your day in a great note. And that, that one little piece of advice helped me through many, so many depression days and has helped me like keep going. You know what I mean? Like if I wake up and I really don't want to do this, I make my bed. I also have to go to the bathroom right, right, right away. So I can't make my bed right away. It's bathroom time. And then that, cause I am 40 now. And apparently if you don't pee for six hours, your body is like, I'm going to explode. I'm surprised I haven't peed the bed more. Like I'll wake up and it's like an emergency. Um, but yeah, so like I write, I write, I try to write out 50 things I'm proud of, of the f- previous year. And I always put, I make my bed on there and it's small. So I, you know, anything from small to big. And, and this coach said, the reason why you do that is because a lot of times when people write their goals, they come from a place of lack. Like I want to do, I'm trying to, th- I haven't written out my goals yet. And you know, I did a lot of stuff that I wanted to do this year. Um, but you know, like I want to, I want to get a solid acting reel together. And if I just start out with that, I then start out with like this lack and this shameful feeling that like, why haven't I had a solid acting reel so far? Like, why don't I have that? You know, like, and instead of being like, look at all these things I have accomplished now, what do I want? What do I want to do next? It's such an, it's such a tiny thing, but I love it every year. And I, I keep the lists. I have no idea where they are. I have under my bed when I move or die, uh, (laughs) I think I should have, like, I should get a a will going, you know what I mean? That way, uh, just my one, my one request is just to dump all of my box, all of my like journals and boxes in, into a fire pit. Um, I mean, not really, I don't actually mean that, but you know, I mean, if you journal every day for 
15 years, uh, you're bound to say some crazy shit. But like, so I, I want, I, you know, I, so I start out with like the, the 50 things I'm the most proud of. And then I try to just like brainstorm of what, what do I want to accomplish next year? Who do I want to come And this last year? I, a thing that I really tried to work on was mindfulness. Like, and I wasn't perfect at all. I mean, at all, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of backsliding, a lot of, you know, but I also learned I'm, I'm human. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, but it's, it's so I'm, I'm working actively and I've gotten better this last year. And maybe that's why there was such a shift is that I started talking to myself the way I talk to people I love very much because I love me. I love me very much. And like the other day, and I'll get to the list in a minute, I hope. Um, the other day, I, uh, you know, in these virtual events, uh, I'm in a group chat with these two women who are, we work with, and, we, you know, we, we, uh, we support each other, we tell jokes, we, you know, we're just, I'm, these two women are some of the best things that came out of 2023, friendships with them. Um, and one of them had a particularly rough event, right? It was the first time she had done this. It was the, you know, it was the first time she had done this event and it's a particularly like complicated one. I'm grateful. I told you this last week when I did it, when I did, it's a virtual holiday party. And when I did it, um, I jumped in 150 people and I'm glad it was like that many people. Cause it was just like, whatever. But, but she said she had a clunky time and it's a, it's, you know, it's whatever. And she, you could tell she was being kind of hard on herself. And I was like, one, uh, they have no idea what the event is. Like they don't get a script beforehand. They don't know if you if you stumbled on something, if you skip something, they don't know at all. And I was like, and two, like you're fucking amazing. You're amazing. And three, if you did make a mistake, cause you are a human, um, you're so goddamn charming that they probably were like, oh, you're amazing. She's awesome, you know? And I look at that and I'm like, I talk to myself like that now. But it's funny cause they're, it's, you know, it's not always, it's not, we, we rip ourselves apart um, for mistakes that we overlook on everybody else. And this year I really tried to work on that because I, I got a lot of demons, man. And of course I do. I grew up the way I grew up. Of course I have a lot of demons. But I don't need to like beat myself up every day for having those demons, you know? And so that's, you know, that, that might be like four things I learned. Um, so the list. So I... Uh, I can eat anywhere. I, I got that from this year. Um, a lot of these are from, I learned the very beginning of the year. I went to Thailand at uh, almost a year ago. And Thailand taught me so many lessons. One, it taught me, um, I used to be really picky, like when it came to like restaurants, like if someone's like, where do you want to eat? I would need, you know, I need to make sure that like they had like the six things that I, I definitely can't eat or like, you know what I mean? Like not that I'm vegan or anything, but I mean, just like picky and like, I don't want to go to that restaurant if I don't know the food and I don't know that, you know, that culture's food. I don't want to go because I'm probably only, you know, like, like Chinese food forever. I just eat orange chicken. That's it. Cause I just never wanted to venture out in anything. And I won't go to a Chinese restaurant if there's not orange or sesame chicken, I won't do it. And you go to Thailand and, you know, sometimes like I was in this town when I was going to see the elephants, um, I was in this town and called Kanchanaburi and it was, you know, there were of course restaurants and stuff, but like I, there wasn't like the bigger cities or the bigger, it wasn't like Bangkok that if I, I could find something that for everyone, you know what I mean? And I, 
and I, I ate well and I loved every minute of it. And I had great Thai food. I did try sushi in Thailand. I did tell you guys that I wouldn't, it's not that it was bad. It was just, it was just odd. I mean, they, I ordered sashimi and I was like, does it have to have 25 pieces of sashimi? And the woman was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, normally it comes with like two. And I don't know if I can eat 25. I mean, I did eat 25 pieces of sashimi. I definitely did. So I am kind of glad that I did that. But like, it made me learn that, or it made me more open. And when I go anywhere, like when people are like, where should we eat? Or I want to eat at this place. I'm like, I literally can find something to eat anywhere now. And I know that sounds like such a weird, a weird thing to be, not weird to be proud of, but like, you know, I, I, I have PTSD and I grew up in trauma and I, I'm rigid in things that I don't know, you know, because uh, my brain is hardwired uh, to assume I always have to be in fight or flight mode, right? And even something as little as where we go to eat, I'm like, oh God, what if there's nothing there? Um, and Thailand taught me that like, I, and it also taught me how fucking capable I am, how capable I am. Like, I mean, I've traveled a lot in this last year. I've been really lucky to like get a job that I get. I've seen a lot of cities and I, I'm, I, I'm very capable. Um, I told you a few weeks ago uh, when I was home, Years ago, one of my cousins called me literally the most helpless person she had ever met in her life. Like, that was the quote. Um, literally. And I, you know, I mean, that that person is in a lot of pain and I'm not whatever good, you know, wish her well. Um, but this person also had never been on a plane by themselves at like 39 and never been to an airport alone. And like... And whatever, we all have different journeys. I just, it, it's kind of funny that they were like, you're so helpless, but like I've never supported myself or I don't know how to do things. Um, but I, I, and so I grew up being told how incapable I am and, you know, um, how, and, but also don't ask for help because if you show that you need help, you know, that's weakness and weakness will not be tolerated. Um, it'll be shamed, it'll be whatever, right? But I learned in Thailand how capable I am how, how I just like, I, I, I get to a city, I got to another country and I was able, another country where they do not speak my language. And I was able to get a, 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 a taxi or their lift. I can't remember what their lift was called. I have it written down, um, to a hotel. I was able, you know what? It just showed me like it going to Thailand gave me an insane amount of confidence in myself and my friend who helped me plan the trip, who travels the world, she told me a few things would happen. One, that. One, you would, you'll realize just how fucking capable you are and how, like, I can be dropped anywhere and I know I'll be able to figure it out. And that is a confidence almost like no other. And I'm so grateful for it. And she also said another thing you'll learn is patience and it'll work out and go with the flow because... You know, when I when I was like going going to Thailand, she's like, "All right, well, when you travel in Southeast Asia, um, travel like like all transportation takes so long, so long. Like I was on five hour bus rides at some point. You know, like I was on I was on an overnight boat. That was a wild fun night. Um, I made two hopefully lifelong friends that I you know they live in England and we still message every now and then. Um, like." How so the patience and the patience aspect of just like enjoying the moment, you know, like knowing it's going to work out and enjoying the moment. Like I woke up the morning of 
the elephant sanctuary and I had ripped the fuck out of my feet, right? Because I thought it was a good idea to walk 10 miles in Bangkok. Um, I think I walked literally 10 miles that day um, in Bangkok with new sandals. Um, and I didn't notice it was bad until I got back to the hotel and I and the language barrier of Band-Aid. I should probably figure out, this has been a year, I need to figure out how to say Band-Aid in Thai, Taiwanese. So like I, um, and I, uh, I woke up and my feet were cut the fuck up, right? And all I knew is that a bus was going to pick me up at a bus stop. And when I was at the bus stop earlier that day, in ba- or the, the, the day before in Bangkok, so I went to the bus stop in Bangkok and I was going to, and I, I was like, well, the bus is supposed to be here. And I show up and there's like 1400 buses, not really, but there's like 20 buses and they're all, they're all in Thai. And I don't know. I don't, I obviously don't speak that. I have no idea. And all of them have the same smiley face, um, which is like a, uh, like a company that I was, that I was getting my buses on. And I was like, I don't know. And and you, and you know, you, you ask, you, you're talking, there's a huge language barrier and then, and there's a lot of yelling and pushing. And the next thing you know, you're on a bus and you're like, well, I really hope this is the right bus. And I'm just going to enjoy this moment and trust that I'm being taken care of. And it was the right bus. I got to Canjanaburi. I went to this insane, like this like backyard restaurant I get to my my hotel which was like a dorm room kind of like it was like a house turned into like a hotel right and the woman was like you should go to this place it's right next door and it was like kind of you know it was super remote it was like someone's like literally backyard and there was like they were cooking on a stove in the backyard on like and I that was the first that was the first place that someone was confused about me tipping because when I was in Bangkok you know people know Americans we tip and so they you know whatever but this was the first place because it was like a small town and you know in like a bad like backwoods fucking restaurant in a backyard and it was so good it was so good um and I put down you know the tip and she gave me back the change and I was like oh no that's for you and then she gave me back the change and I was like for you and then she left another table and walked away and I was like I don't know what to do here because I don't want to uh, my waxers from uh, Vietnam and she told me we were talking about the tipping thing and she was like when I first moved here so she's been here I mean her business has been around 20 years so I think she's been here longer than that but she uh she said when she first got to America she was waitressing at this um Viet- Vietnamese uh restaurant and the first time someone tipped her, she thought they left money. So she like ran and chased them and handed them back their money. And they were like, no, that's for you. And she was like, no, it, you paid me. And they were like, no, that's for you to keep. And she was like, it blew my mind. I like went back into the restaurant with this money that I didn't know what to do with it. I thought I had done something wrong. And she was, and I asked my coworker and then the coworker explained tipping to her. And it's just... I love that story and I don't know, we're just all so different in the same, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and so different, but like in cultures, I, I don't know. So the woman gave me back the money. I can't, I, I think I tried to just leave a little bit. I wasn't sure what to do cause I was new, but, and then, the ne- you know, the next morning I'm supposed to be, oh yeah, that night I decided to go on a walk and I'd been a little sad because I hadn't made any friends yet. And I, you know, I thought I was going to be like filled with friends. Like I was just going to meet all the travelers and all the Thai people. And I was just going to make so many friends. And Bangkok is the city, you know, it's, it's not, it's, you know, I'm glad I stayed. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I stayed as little as I did because I saw what I saw. And I, you know, it's, it's a city where people are living their lives. They're not like, Hey, here's a lovely traveler I'll make friends with, you know? So I made friends with this man named Mark from England. And he was my first, uh, you know, friend. We, we walked 
we walked all through that city. Um, and then I took a tuk-tuk home. And at that point, I was scared of, of doing tuk-tuks, mostly because I was scared of haggling. You know, it was only four days in, and I was scared of haggling. And that's the name of the game in Thailand. You you go, how much is this? And they go, 500 baht. And you go, oh, um, will you take three? And they're like, 350. And you're like, done. Right? So that's like how you're like, where are you going? So at this point, so I, I take the tuk-tuk, and I go back to my, my hotel my dorm style hotel and I know I have to be at this bus stop the same bus stop and now my feet are fucking ripped up and I don't know what to do because I hurt so bad and I you know I one I I don't read um I I take one thing at a time you know I don't read all the instructions on what I'm doing until right before I'm doing it and look I realized this year with the way my brain operates that is when it will be prepared to do something. Like last night, I'm I'm not packed yet, and I have to leave in an hour and a half. Um, I I'm a good packer though. I'm, I'm I'm I do this for half of my living now. But like my brain is just like, yeah, I'm not doing that now. We don't have to do that. And now I've trusted my brain to know that I always get it done. And so I I get up in the morning. I look at what I need to bring to this elephant sanctuary, and it's like bring a towel, bring a, a bathing suit. And bring uh, sunscreen and a bag, you know, just like normal stuff. And I was like, oh, I have all that, but I need a Band-Aid. And so I go into the 7-Eleven. And 7-Elevens, there's a billion of them. I will never get over how many 7-Elevens are in Thailand. And so I, I go into the 7-Eleven, and I cannot find a Band-Aid. I cannot find it. And I don't have internet. Somehow, my internet is down. I think we had, to, I think we fixed it when I got to the Elephant Sanctuary because I made friends with all of that. I made, uh, I made a, a friend that I, I see all the time on social media, and I hope one day I I get to back get back to see her she was also one of my first friends in thailand and um just such a oh, such a lovely person um she helped me fix my phone but so i didn't have any i didn't have any service and so i like could i was like i don't know what bus i take i don't know there's so many buses and they're all little and they're all like they're all the same right they're all these like little van that could be taking people to the elephant sanctuary and i need a band-aid and so i couldn't do google translate and i was trying to explain what a band-aid was and they were like bug spray and i'm like no they're like sunscreen i'm like no bandage i could not for the life of me and i'm like i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do because i can't walk it was so bad right and so I get to this, I go back to the bus station and I'm limping and I have my suitcase and everyone is, you know, uh, and the way it is at these bus stations is there's a billion taxis and a billion tuk-tuks and they're all trying to get you in their car. And you're like, no, I got a bus. I got a bus. And at this point I'm kind of getting the hang of it. Right. And so I, I, uh, I'm looking around and I'm like, I might not go to this. Oh, I can't find it. I can't find it. And I, I didn't know that lesson. I didn't have that lesson yet. It always works out. It always does. And you're where you're meant to be, you will fucking be. And I know that that is not, that is true for, I, it's hard for me to say that with all I know in the world, you know, with everything that is going on in the Middle East and Ukraine, the Congo, like, I mean, there's 27 wars going on, I guess. Um, it's hard for me to say that, but in my experience, I always end up in the best place for myself, right? And I can only speak for that because I know what a privileged thing that is. And I learned a lot about that privilege this year and the humility of it and how grateful I am of it. And so I, you know, I, I'm panicking. I'm not going to find this bus and I, you know, I'm not going to be able to get a Band-Aid. It's going to be a nightmare. I'm going to really cut up my feet some more. Um, and so I, I I just sat and I had some, some meat sticks. Um, there's some great, food on sticks in Thailand. Um, I could have lived off of that for two weeks and I almost did. Uh, and then I found, 
I found the bus. The bus found me. I found the bus. I get in the bus. There's a couple there from Czech who I make friends with. There's a family there from uh, Singapore who I make friends with, who I'm still following all on Instagram. Um, it's funny, one of the, the husband of the family from Singapore, we are asking, you know, we're talking, we have about a 45-minute drive to the Elephant Sanctuary, and we're all talking about how old we are. And when the husband goes first, he's like, oh, I'm kind of old. He's like, uh... He's like 82. And I was like, 82, I'm 82. And we like high fives for the rest of the day. Every time something happened, we're like 82. Uh, but like, I'm, you know, I ask, I ask uh, the driver if he has a Band-Aid. And then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't say it like that, but he's like, no idea what you're talking about. So they call the elephant sanctuary and there's this kid named Charlie who we fucking bonded with and I will think of for the rest of my life. Charlie, um, who, you know, ran the tours of this elephant sanctuary with another man named Patrick who I will also think about for the rest of my life and I hope I get back there one day. One day I hope I get back to that um, sanctuary. Oh, man. And like the next year or two, I hope I get back to Thailand. Uh because I loved it. Um, and I know there's other places I could go, but man, that place was just, um, my spirit is there. Uh, so I, Charlie gets on the phone and Charlie's young and he's the one that knows the most English. And he, we finally figure out what I'm talking about and they have band-aids and we have band-aids for the rest of the trip. And then that night they go and get band-aids and then I'm able to get band-aids. And I just, I learned patience, how capable I am, that I am, I'm okay anywhere. And I used to be okay anywhere because I was a chameleon and I needed to be okay anywhere as for survival. But now it's like I'm comfortable in my skin and I have this unshakable sense of me. And I got that this year too, an unshakable sense of self, something I've been striving for since I entered uh, ACA. And I heard that saying that, that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guiding myself to an unshakable sense of self. And... God, and then I had that that moment with that elephant that I love so much, Nurnderm, <laughs> which I can't say her name, um, where I was like panicking in the middle of the jungle. And I've told this story many times, and I'm going to tell it again because I love it and I love the reminder. I'm, you know, I'm, I it's the second day, and which, you know, I'm going back, I'm leaving the group to go to the bathroom. Basically, I'd been there long enough; they trust me to trek through the the jungle alone to go to the bathroom, right? So I go to the bathroom, I come back. And I'm walking through and I'm so anxious. And I'd been anxious, you know, it, it was only like day three in Thailand, but I was so anxious and I had been anxious and I, I stopped and I was like, okay, like breathe. And I, I've learned self-talk, you know, I've learned to be like, hey, what's going on? Because you're, you're feeling like fight or flight and let's, let's get to the bottom of it because we don't have to live like that anymore. That's not, that's not our baseline anymore. And I realized that I was just really afraid that I was it was going to go too quickly and I wasn't going to get enough done or I wasn't going to, you know, do the right things or this, or, you know, or say the right thing. I was just really worried about like, like, like fucking up this trip. Right. And I was like, well, one, you have what you want to absolutely do planned. And two, you have, you know, days open to be open and, uh, you're going to be really bummed at the end of this trip if you spent the whole time waiting for the next thing, excited for the next thing, needing to just be here. And I remember so fucking vividly looking up into the sky and seeing the jungle over it, but then seeing the sky like peek through the jungle. And then I look up and my favorite elephant walks out of nowhere up to me in the middle of the jungle. And we just stand there and have a moment. And then we walk back together with the other elephants and the people. And 
Whew, I don't know if that wasn't that wasn't a spiritual uh, awakening experience. I don't know what the fuck was, but I learned that. Um, another thing I learned, and I it's a lesson I have to keep learning. I belong in these rooms, these comedy rooms. I'm really fucking funny. I am uh, in talks with a guy. I've told you this. Um, recording my album next year. We're going to talk in January, and my comedy album. Obviously, I'm not taking up singing. I don't know why I felt like I needed to clarify that. Um, but I, you know, I, I was. I, we've been messaging back and forth, and we've been playing, t- you know, tag for the last like four months. And and so I was like, you know, hey, um, I'm leaving town, but I would love to talk in January. Um, and he wrote back and he said, yeah, I'm really sorry for the back and forth. He's like, short answer, I think you are brilliant and funny and I would love to make an album with you. And like, I really have solidified, I, I've gone into different states and told jokes. I've gone into rooms that I'm terrified and told jokes and like, I'm fucking funny and I fucking belong here. And I'm not saying I'm gonna feel that way forever. Like I know it's, I know like how I feel right now is awesome. I'm about to hop on a plane to go see people, like my favorite people in the world, right? And like, and so it will be ebb and flow and there will be times, there will be many times I don't find myself funny or I think, am I not funny? And I love that Matt Rife story. And I, I'm not sure if I told it already. I think I did, but I'm probably going to do it again because I forget things and maybe you do too. Um, and if you're a fan of Matt Rife or you're not, truly, I don't care either way. Um, I think when people have the the strong opinions that they have of someone like Matt Rife, it's, it's, it's transparent. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I really, if you don't like something, you can just move along. You don't have to be like, I am going to bash this person. Cause I, I read, who was it? It was like Andy Cohen, I think. Is he the guy who works with, uh, does the New Year's Eve with Anderson Cooper? I don't know how I know that person's name, I think, but I'm picturing him in my head. Um, he posted a screenshot of somebody DM'd him and called him a bunch of terrible slurs and a bunch of names. And he responded and said, wow, that's really hurtful. And the guy was like, oh my God, I didn't think he would respond. And I think it was Andy Cohen. Don't quote me on that. But he was like, um, is Andy Cohen? Oh no, is that the guy that Jim Carrey played in the fuck? I shouldn't even try and attempt to say names of people I don't know because I, he's, who, Andy Kaufman is the one Jim Carrey. Okay, it was Andy Cohen. Okay, cool, cool. Um, trust your brain. So, uh, um, and he, oh yeah, he responded and the guy was like, oh my God, you responded. And the, the celebrity, the per, he goes, yeah, I'm a person. Like I'm a person too. So you sending this to people is hurtful. And it's just, it's like, I, what I don't understand is if you don't like something, you can just move on. You know what I mean? Like if I see something on Facebook or Instagram of somebody that I follow and they post something that I don't like, I do one of two things. I either don't like it and I move on or if it's really awful, I've unfriended, unfollowed people. Um, I just unfriend. You know what I mean? Like I, this kid from my high school used to comment on everything I did. And then he would post a bunch of anti-Black Lives Matter and a bunch of anti-vax and go Trump. And it was just daily. And it was like, it was like whistleblower ra- racism, not like, um, or dog whistle racism. It wasn't like blatantly N-word, but it was like, oh, you a racist. Um, obviously, because the fucking Black Lives Matter. But before that, he was post. So I just, un- I just, I just, I'm, I unfriended him. And instead of being like, I'm going to give you, cause I don't know that guy. You know what I mean? If he was doing it in front of me, I probably would do more, but I just don't understand. You can just move on. Um, I don't remember why I told you that. How many times am I going to say that in this episode? I swear to God, I took my Adderall. Um, 
And I don't think I'm going to take an Adderall for the rest, the rest of this, like for the next, the next eight days. I don't have enough because I did not call on the prescription soon enough. There's so many things with ADHD that like you, in order to take care of it, you have to like defy the laws of ADHD, which is calling a prescription earlier than, you know, 12 hours before you're going to leave, you know, out of, out of town, 3000 miles. Um, but I don't remember what, but yeah, you can just move on. Um, that was, that is one of my, one of my things I learned this year. Um, there is a woman that I, I, I'm afraid of. I am afraid of her. Uh, she tells a lot of lies. She's uh, attempted to ruin my life for a long, long time. There's a lot of people who still think I'm a raging cunt because this woman has made up a ton of bad, uh, bad stories about me, right? A lot of lies about me. Um, but I have followed her and she follows me. And I think I, I talked about this when it happened. Um, and she followed me and like, and I even reached out a few times to be like, hey, maybe we should, because we were once kind of friends. I mean, I didn't know until later that she was, you know, behind my back the whole time, but I don't have to be friends with everyone. Like, like I'm a bad guy in that person's story. I don't know what I did. I don't know why, but I'm a bad guy and I always will be. And one day it came, I found out that she had unfollowed me and it hurt. And it was like, Oh no, a person that I, I mean, she could have unfollowed me six years ago and I wouldn't have, maybe not that long ago, but you know what I mean? Like I, and I, so I unfollowed her and then I called a fellow in program and they were like, Sounds like she did you a favor. Haven't you been trying? Haven't you been getting up the balls to like unfollow her? Because I felt bad, and now I'm realizing you can unfollow and unfriend people, and like you don't have to. And just like people can unfollow and unfriend me. Like I this this woman thinks I'm the devil. She has thought that for the better part of twelve years. I don't know why. Um, it's a big Wang's thing, but I also know she's really mentally ill. Um, like it, like probably one of the, no, my mother probably takes that cake, but like one of the most mentally ill people I have ever met, you know, and she taught me a lesson that I can just unfollow people who make me feel bad. I had muted her and I don't know why I didn't just unfollow her. And she taught me that lesson. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh, someone makes me feel bad. Like I read a tweet that was like, if you make me feel bad, I'm just going to unfollow you or unfriend you. No way you're going to stress me out on my phone. And I think I really, I learned that this year, um, which brings me to the next thing. Sometimes you're the lesson. I've learned that. Uh, so remember a few weeks ago when I was talking about uh, when I went into that bar and that girl uh, gave me the half a glass of wine and it was, and you know, I was a bad guy in her story and I, and I'd been running into it. It's the episode I, I say, you can sit with us. Um, and I ran it, I ran into a bunch of mean girls around that time and a bunch of mean girl reminders of how I was a mean girl. And I was like, all right, universe, what's the lesson, man. And I was with one of, one of my, my, my dear friends that came out of 2023. Um, like the friendship came out of 2023. Uh, her name is Ilar. She is going to be, uh, she's a, a very, very successful actress one day. She's the only person I've ever met who talks to trees the way I do. Um, we were somewhere once. We travel a lot for work together. And um, she's the one that we call, she's my work wife. Uh, and we were somewhere and there was this big tree and she walked up and touched the tree. And that's what I was going to do. And she stood there for a minute and like touched it. And I'm like, do you talk to trees too? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, me too. Um, but so she's like, sp- she's very uh, spiritually aligned and very aligned with, we're very aligned with each other. Like we're very on the same le- level, le- you know what I mean? And, 
And I was telling her this story and I was like, I'm trying to figure out the lesson. Cause we, you know, we talk about like, she and I talk about where to find the gratitude and the light in hardship and not in like a toxic, po- like to- to- a positive toxicity way, but like in a real, like, where's the lesson, you know? And sh- she goes, you know, sometimes maybe you're the lesson for someone else. Like maybe sometimes you don't need to be learning something. Maybe you're just the lesson. And it's none of your business what that what that woman needed to learn from you. Whether if it was she felt good about standing up to someone who was once a bully to her. And to her standing up to me was um, pouring a half a glass of wine. You know what I like maybe maybe like I don't know what her lesson was, but I believe Eiler's right. Sometimes you're the lesson. Sometimes you pop into someone's life and you're the reason that they need to learn something and and it doesn't need to be any deeper than that. And if it is deeper than that, I believe that that lesson will present itself over and over until you learn it. And as soon as she said, sometimes you're the lesson, I was like, oh, there has been a lot of times, not a lot of times, not that I'm going around being people's lessons, but you know what? Like there's been a lot of times in my life. I mean, I am 40, so I will say a lot confidently that I couldn't understand a situation I was in and what I was supposed to learn from it. And now looking back, it's like, oh, I think someone else needed. Like, I don't always, it, it's not always, and, may, and that right there was the learning lesson. The lesson for me was just like, you're sometimes you're a bad guy and it's none of your business what the lesson for, what they need to learn from this experience. And sometimes you're just the bad guy, no matter how great you are, no matter how, uh, you know, I, I show up every day and I, th- I'm, I think I'm a decent person and I'm proud of it. I'm a good person. I'm proud of it. Not a decent. I'm a good, I'm a great person. And sometimes you're just a bad guy to someone and you can lay on the ground and beg them to be your friend and work it out. But you're just not going to, you know, I'm, you're not, everyone's going to like me. Um, you know, the poop scoop, here's the poop scoop. And I've said it many times in the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months, but the poop scoop, final poop scoop of the year because I have no more. Please send me your poop scoops. Send them to me. Uh, send them to Kim Crawlspace at gmail.com. If you pooped your pants, come close or know someone who has or know any stories. They can be anonymous. Send them, send them, send them. They bring a lot of light to everybody. They bring a lot of fucking joy, right? Um, but the lesson I learned, the poop scoop this, this episode, and I've said it a bunch, pooping your pants is not funny in the moment. It is just not funny in the moment. It comes later. The funniness comes later. There is quite a bit of crying. It smells really bad and it's kind of a nightmare. I, I, it had been so long since I'd pooped my pants that I like, you know, the, the, the horror of it had, had glossed over and I faded that out into the, uh, into, you know, hilarity. Um, which, which, you know, you do, uh, and, and I've poop I pooped my pants twice this year. I pooped my pants twice this year. Um, both sharts, you know, but I stand by that. I will die on that hill. That is pooping your pants. That's poop in your pants. It's poop in your pants. It's literally is poop. Okay. Um, I have a friend that likes to argue about everything and he says that it's sharding, sharding and pooping your pants are different. And I'm like, but what's in your pants after you're done sharding? He's like, well, I'm like, exactly. It's fucking poop. You pooped your pants. So I, I pooped my pants twice this year and I realized, I was like, man, I forgot how much crying happens when you poop your pants. <laughs> um, another thing that came out of this year. So I work, you know, I work this event job 
And I, uh, there's a company that I've done several events for. It's a company of accountants and there's like 5,000 of them. And I think I've met about 300 of the 5,000 of them. Cause I've done, I think I did, I did six events for them that five events for them this year, which is a lot. Cause I've only, I've never repeated a, a company before. Um, and I think, and the, so the first time I did it, one of our veteran hosts had, cause they hire this particular company of accountants, hire our company all the time to do these team building events. And, I'm being vague on the name just because I don't I don't know it's public. So um, they hire us a lot, and I you know I you know I went to it was at a hotel, and I get there and I meet the contact, and she's this tall, beautiful, very charm, very nice woman, right? And I meet her, and she's like, "Yeah, we you know we hire you guys all the time," and my co-host was like, "Yeah, last week we were here." Um, she was a co-host for a veteran host, someone who is salaried in our company and has been with it since, you know, years. And so I got really intimidated that I'm not going to be good as good as this woman who did it, you know, who did this event for this client a week prior. And so the contact and two other women sat at another table. They didn't participate in the event, but they, in my brain, hated me. Uh, they, that I thought that they, they were whispering and they were looking at me and I thought that they were just like nowhere near as good as the other host. We hate her. We'll, we'll request not to have her. And I thought like, I was like, you know, I'm like, all right, we got to th get through this event. Still do your, your best job, like do the best you can. And if they don't like you, they don't like you. You know, all the pep talks you give yourself when you're convinced that like three people who could be in charge of you getting more work hate you. Right. So the event's over. I go over to the contact and I'm like, hi. I was like, all right, well, we're taking off. Thank you so much. And she's like, I just have to say, you are lovely. And I was like, what? And she's like, you, you nailed this. She's like, you got these people out of their shells. They're accountants. They had a blast. She's like, the three of us points to the other two women. She's like, we've just been sitting over here the whole time talking about how charming and funny you are. And I was like, man, change the voices in your head. Change the voices in your head. Because most of the time it's, you know, when you grow up with a, in the way I did and the way a lot of people did, uh, your brain develops in a way that is actively trying to kill you sometimes. Whether if it's your spirit, you physically, mentally, it's actively trying. And I might, you know, I've been actively working on changing those voices and those tapes in my head. But that was such a moment where I was like, oh my God, I literally made up that you guys hated me. Like I literally made it up. Like like there was no evidence to show me that. And, and I know I operate under the assumption that no one likes me and that I like, that's my, that's my baseline. No longer. I'm better at it now, but my baseline is operate under the assumption that I'm doing something wrong and nobody likes me because I grew up in that environment and I'm, I'm working. I'm like, I'm walking through fire to work through that. And that was such a wonderful lesson, like the wonderful thing the universe gave me in that moment was like, Oh, you're not always, right when you think someone hates you like most of the time you're not right at all um another thing I learned another thing that came to me a lot this year is that you know friends do come and go but the ones that go it doesn't always need to be this dramatic breakup you know um in my life I've had many dramatic friendship bracelet bracelets <laughs> uh breakups um I told you my one in high school where I I framed a picture of my best friend and I and I wrote her a letter and I walked up to her in the hallway and I handed her the letter in the frame and it was wrapped in this really paper and she was so confused because she had no idea I didn't want to be her friend anymore because I'd been holding it in you know like a very dramatic teenage girl and I I give it to her and the end of it I think it was just like the end of the letter was like 
I will always love you. <laughs> it's just so dramatic. We ended up being friends again. I mean, I bought her, I bought her kids Girl Scout cookies this last year. Like, it's just so funny. But like, I've had many dramatic ends to friendships. And this year I realized like even more so that there doesn't always need to be an abrupt end. Sometimes you just, you grow apart and you don't need to like force it. Um, I was really good friends with this girl before the pandemic. And, you know, if you listen to early on Crawl Space, I was very angry at her for a long time because she didn't take the pandemic seriously. She was going to parties. She was having parties. She was flying all around. Um, she, she, uh, she and I don't align at all politically. Um, uh, I think she voted for Trump. Um, and I was very, you know, if you listen to early on Crawl Space, I was very angry about it. But like, and we didn't have a falling out. Um, you know, it was about, you know, three days before the lockdown or th the night of the lockdown, uh, the night they announced the lockdown and they were going to do it Sunday. I believe that was to give people a chance of, uh, to put their affairs in order. I have no idea. Um, but she called me this friend and she was like, Hey, um, I'm going to have a party on Wednesday. And I was like, uh, and that was St. Patrick's day. Um, November, March of 2020. If we remember, I was like, Oh girl, they, maybe it's Tuesday. I was like, girl, uh, they shut down the city. And she goes, yeah, I don't give a shit about that. And I was like, people are dying. They're trying to ask us to be safe. And she's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I bought a bunch of liquor. I'm going to be drunk for the next two weeks and I'm having parties. And I was so mad at her. And especially after I got really sick, I was so mad at her. And I never told her about it because I hadn't worked through a lot of my shit, you know, at the time. But like, I'm not mad at her anymore. I mean, I think she's, she's doing the best she can. I don't, I, I, she's one of those, she's, very sheltered and her opinions are like, oh, you don't have any desire to learn more. Like you think your opinions are the right ones and there's no growth. Cool. And, but there, but that was that, you know, like I just was like, oh, we can just grow apart because I'm, I'm going over here and you're going over here and there doesn't need to be a dramatic end. And my, my best friend, Mark of 20 years, right? This guy is my longest friend. Um, one of, one of my, yeah, I have two very long friends that I've been friends with for 20 years, tw over 20 years. Jesus Christ. We keep the, the years keep on ticking by. Um, he, he and I were talking about friends coming and going and we were talking about all the people in our life. This was only a, a few months ago, we're talking about all the people in our life that we don't really talk to anymore. And there wasn't a falling out. And, and at least on our sides of the street, there's no animosity. There's no like, fuck that guy, fuck that girl. You know, there's none of that. But we were like, the sunscreen song is so right. You know, friends come and go, but the precious ones you hold on to. And Mark was like, yeah, he's like, most my friends in my life, if they, you know, faded away, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to me. Um, you know, because that that's, it happens. But he's like, you are one of the friends that if you decided not to talk to me anymore, I would hop on a plane and I would need to know why I would need to fix it. And there are friends and he's, I mean, he's my family, you know, he's, he's my brother, like family, but there's, I, I've, this year I really grieved the loss of a lot of friendships over the years. You know, when I worked at big wings, I was really good friends with, um, these two girls and we were the mean girls and, you know, we were the favorites of the owner and we were all this stuff and we just grew in different directions. And one of them I tried desperately to hold on to, um, in 2020, I was, you know, calling her, messaging her and she just wasn't having it. And I don't know what I, what we did have an odd argument about me too, where she didn't agree with it. Um, and I, you know, unfortunately politics 
are are a thing that make people fade away. And um, she and I too didn't align it. But I I uh, I had to grieve that. And this year I grieved a lot of friendships, even though they had ended years ago or recently. You know, I I I, I just realized that they really do come and go and it doesn't need to be this dramatic fight or anything or like, fuck that guy. Or if I see that guy or that girl on the street, like, you know, it, it's just like, you can wish him well. And that was one thing I learned with my amends. Um, when I knew I was done making my amends that in, in 12 step, it's one of the 12 steps you write down everyone you need to make amends to. And then you make amends, right. Or you become willing to make amends. And then you it's, uh, miraculously end up making amends, even to the ones that you're like, there's no way I will ever, and I learned in that that it was like, you know, I, if, if there is anyone in the world that I am uncomfortable seeing, that means my side of the street is not clean. And there's something I need to apologize for, something I need to work for. And, you know, and I don't have, there's, I don't have anyone like that anymore. Um, there is someone that I, I am working to see if I have a, a a, a part. Um, it was a weird, not an important, not an interesting enough story to get into, but, uh, but it's one of those things, but it is one of those lessons that I'm like, I'm, it's okay to not be friends with people that you were once friends with, or it's okay to be like, Oh, I don't, this, this relationship is hurting me more than it's helping me. Um, but yeah, as, as long as I feel like I can see anybody in the world and not feel weird, my side is clean. And that's where I'm at right now. And the second I feel like I can't see someone in the world, I need to write down and make an amend somewhere. Um, I also learned, so I worked at that restaurant in, uh, in, um, Highland park, you know, for like two months. And I, I know my worth now. I know, I know my worth. There was a time that I would, and there was a time, you know, I worked at big wings for like 10 years and that place was so dramatic and chaotic and toxic in so many ways, but like I was afraid to leave because I didn't think I would be able to make it without it. Like this is my one, if I don't make money here, I will not make any money anywhere and I will die. That was like my thought. And this restaurant that I worked at this year, I worked there for two months and was like, oh no, I am too awesome and too talented to put up with all of this. And you know what? Since I've left, many people have quit because that place is fucking toxic. And the lesson there is that like, I used to have to like, like I would drag myself kicking and screaming somewhere, terrified that it wasn't going to work out. Just like I'd way rather stay in the devil I know than the devil I don't know. Cause like there, like it can't possibly be better out there, you know? And now I, I, and I didn't even learn, like it wasn't even conscious. I didn't even realize how easily I did it until after it was done that it was like, Oh, you just quit. And then I got three more jobs and that was such a, like something I'm proud of and something I learned and like, Oh man. Um, and we're going to wrap it up pretty soon. Uh, I'm going to fly on a plane. Uh, one of the, I, I learned a lot about, and this is such a, I'm always learning and I, I'm always learning about how it can be better and you know, how it can show up for people in the world. And the last several weeks, I have had many pronoun reminders and hear me out. You guys know that I am very, you know, uh, for progressive, but also very aware of wanting, you know, using people's correct pronouns and using people's correct name. And if, you know, whatever they want, who they are, like acknowledging who they are, um, in the trans community, the non-binary, you know, and all that. And this year I, 
I, and especially recently, I, I've worked with two non-binary people and I learned so much about their experience and how one of them was like, it's just easier to just let people call me what they want because I don't want to get into it. And, it, and I learned if, and, and the next person, they, they had, they didn't have a similar thing, but they did say it took them a long time and, and it took many safe spaces for them to just go, I'm a, they, them, please call me a, they, them. And we also talked about how when people slip, slip up, I mis, mispronounced on accident a few times. And they were like, we don't care. You're not being a dick. You know, like you're not someone who's like actively trying to mispronounce me because you don't agree with how I, you know, my identity, uh, which is such a weird fucking thing. I don't agree with your identity. So I'm going to just such a like if I mean, I don't believe I probably have any listeners that that feel this way. So I, I'm, I'm probably just talking to the, the choir, preaching to the choir. But like, it's just such a weird thing that someone's like, I don't agree with your identity. I don't know anything about the subject, but I think I'm an expert, but I don't agree with it. You know, it's just so fucking weird. But I, I also, so it's come up a lot in the last few weeks and I've worked with a lot of, um, you know, I've worked with two non-binary people and then I've met a lot of non-binary people and two things came out of it. Gratitude that I, that I get to be who I am in the world and I don't have to go. It's easier for me to just be smaller than have an argument with a stranger, you know, and like, and I know, and I know it's shifting and changing and in my opinion, not fast enough, but it is shifting and changing. And then the second thing is I realize the best protocol is to not gender, to call people they, them, um, because you just never fucking know. And I don't know. It was just, it, that's just a le- like a, a thing that's come up a bunch in the last month or so. And I, and it, I'm learning and growing every day, you know, and I'm grateful that I'm, I'm showing up with that. And I'm grateful that I have people in my life that show me grace for ignorance that I may have. Um, and the last thing I, I would, I would like to say, you'll never be done. I learned that this year, like, my to-do list is seven miles long and you know for every one I tick off three more pop on it and and to just relax in that moment just relax in that you know just know that like there's never going to be a moment that you're like well I'm done with that all right you know what I mean like there's never ever going to be that it's it's and and there's something cool in that because as soon as you're done then then what you know um yeah, I, I learned that a few years ago, but this year I've really learned to like not be in the anxiety of it. And with ADHD, I am a person who writes down, my brain will be like, we need to find out um, exactly how World War One started. And I'm like, great brain, I'm in the middle of um, learning this event. No, we need to find out how World War One started. And I'm like, I know, but I'm in the middle of this. And it's like, World War One, World War One. So my brain will just start yelling what it needs to. And I'm like, and I learned this year, uh, if you're ADHD, a hack for this is to just write it down. So I put in my notes. So one of my to-do lists is ADHD to-do lists. That's like, um, uh, learn world, learn more about World War One. I. I think we taught, we're taught about it briefly, but I was like nine. Um, I think it started with an assessment. I don't know, whatever. I, I will look into it. But now my brain is like, we need to go back to learning that. But like, that's a good hack. So as soon as I write it down, my brain is like, all right, well, we've, we will take care of that. So now we don't have to yell anymore. And I realized, so I'm a person who has multiple to-do lists. And one of them is my ADHD one. If you have free time, uh, maybe learn this, you know, this, you know, hundred, hundred year ago war. Um, 
but I'll never be done. And that's okay. And living in that balance, I'm really actively trying to be mindful of that balance of when I am crazy busy to just be grateful and take it one step at a time. And when I'm not crazy busy, be grateful for the downtime and knowing that more work and more things will come. 2023 was, I was going to say a heck of a year, one hell of a year. Um, but it was, I, I learned a lot. A lot of amazing people came out of it. A lot of people that no longer align with me moved along and I, I'm excited to go into the new year. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited because it doesn't weigh as heavy as it used to. You know, the new year was like, this is when you're going to change everything. And it's like, well, no, I'm, I, it's a progress. It's a day at a time. It's not one, you know, the first couple weeks of every year where you're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to put all these fucking stressors on myself. And if I don't get it, because that's how you also overwhelm and quit, at least in my opinion, in my opinion or experience, <laughs> I said appearance, which is opinion and experience together. Um, all right, friends, that is, that's the episode. Thank you. I hope everyone has uh, a lovely New Year's Eve, um, had a lovely holiday, have a lovely holidays. Um, we will see you next year. Remember when we discovered that when we were children and we, at the end of spring break, our end of be beginning of Christmas break, we we're like, see you next year. And then 10 year olds would just hilariously laugh because next year was only like two days away or like two weeks away. Um, so I will see you all next year. Um, thank you. Thank you for showing up for me this year and thank you for the new you know the new listeners uh i really appreciate you all i'm ending this with the, i'm one lucky broad i'm one lucky broad um for all of you uh i don't think you know what it means to me or my you know my mental health even to show up here and talk every week um it means the world thank you uh be kind be safe bye <laughs> 